asking the right questions can greatly impact your future, especially when it comes to your finances. So if you're looking for a financial advisor you can trust, certified financial planner professionals are committed to acting in your best interest. That's why it's got to be a CFP. Find your CFP professional at letsmakeaplan.org. In recent weeks, we've really focused on some ways that listeners can boost their income. Uh, so whether that's through starting your own side business and growing your network like Hala talked about, or when we talked with local realtor Alan about diving into investing in real estate, well, what better way to test the waters? While you are away, your home could also earn extra income. That's right. Your empty space could be an Airbnb while you're traveling, because that's all you need to become an Airbnb host. It's a lot easier than you think, and you don't need to Airbnb your entire house. You could just host your extra spare room. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Supercharge your work decks with AI-powered Canva presentations. All you do is start with a prompt. You describe your, your presentation in a few words, and Canva presentations will generate captivating slides that you can then customize in seconds. Canva presentations are designed for every workplace and every department. Whether you work in sales, marketing, HR, ops, and more, Canva presentations can generate any deck you want for work. Sales decks, marketing presentations, onboarding plans, you name it. Any department can save time on any presentation with AI. Generate slides and seconds with Canva presentations at canva.com. Designed for work. What's up? This your boy Lil Duval. And check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Welcome to How to Money. I'm Joel. And I'm Matt. And today we are answering your listener questions. Right, this is our Ask How to Money episode where every other Monday we answer five different listener questions, Joel. And we've got five great ones. We've got uh, a listener who's asking about buying a home to combat inflation. We're going to be taking another question from a listener who has an ethical money conundrum about the fact that she's eligible to receive some financial assistance. And then we're going to talk about some financial priorities after having a baby. We're going to get to those three questions, plus a couple others during this episode. Looking forward to it. But yes. since this is a listener question episode, let's start off with some listener advice. And actually, listener Calvin uh, said, oh, yeah. reached out to us via email, and he said, hey, you guys haven't really ever talked about this, but you should mention it. And I was like, no, Calvin, uh, this is not your show. We will not do it. No, I'm just kidding. It was great advice. It's worthy uh, of discussion today. And he recommended this this thing called, and I don't, I'm probably not pronouncing it well, it's called Casasa. Casasa. <laughs> and it, I like saying it. <laughs> basically, Casasa works with a bunch of different credit unions around the country in order to provide higher uh, savings rates for, for savers. And right now, obviously, what plague savers? 
low savings rates. It's a big Absolutely. problem. Well, and it's specifically something that plagues credit unions. And that's one of the things that we don't like about credit unions because they don't offer those sweet perks. They don't offer those higher interest rates uh, paid on checking accounts or savings accounts. Many of them do not. That's Many right. of yeah. them don't. And yeah. yeah, the reason for that is in the it lies in their name. They don't have that scale. It's, it's difficult for them to provide those sweet perks, which is why we like to go with the different online banks uh, and the products that they offer. That's right. Yeah. There's a lot of good ones out there which we have ad nauseum discussed on the show. But Casasa is cool because uh, they, yeah, you can get like 2 to 3% on your money. And in, 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 in you can easily on this on depositaccounts.com see like which Casasa accounts are available at credit unions near you. Uh, here's the deal though. There's a cap on the amount of money you can have in there earning this higher rate. Usually for a lot of these credit unions, it's somewhere between 10000 15000 Maybe if you're lucky, up to twenty five thousand. Yeah, it's all in at twenty five. But those are are few and far between. And another thing, you have to look at the fine print. So if you want this increased earning power on your savings, there's going to be, in all likelihood, a direct deposit requirement, and you're going to have to use your debit card a certain amount of times per month, or you're going to lose out, and you're not going to get that higher rate of interest. And so it, it's one of those things where if you're diligent and you've got ten or fifteen grand in savings, and you're like, I am so tired of earning. 0.3% on my money uh, checking out Kisasa, you know, it's it's worth looking into at least because I don't really use debit cards. Like it's not something I'm going to use, but I know that other listeners might find value. So thank you, Calvin, for mentioning it and glad to be able to at least bring it up and uh, yeah, mention it to HTM listeners. Yeah, you know, it's worth mentioning if specifically if you have that money sitting in your account and maybe you don't have a whole lot of expenses, right? Because for I think a lot of folks who have a lot of expenses, you're probably going to look at the different benefits that come with a credit card. But you know, if these benefits with Casasa accounts, if they get high enough, I'm going to give it pause and actually run the numbers, right? Because I saw one account, like one that you mentioned where they uh, pay that higher rate up to $25,000. And I saw one as well that was paying over 4%. And so you're looking at over $1,000 were you to earn that interest uh, on that specific account. So it really does come down to A, if it's available in your in your area, if it's something that your credit union offers, and then what those specific figures would, would look like for you. Yeah. And if you could jump through those hoops, if you're willing to jump through yeah. those hoops in order to earn that higher rate of interest. It reminds me of, we've talked about it before, a fitness bank, and yeah. <laughs> they will pay a higher rate of interest. <laughs> if you take something like 15 thousand steps a day and then uh it's like linked yeah it's linked to your fitbit and yeah. they want to encourage physical health which is cool awesome concept but if you don't walk those steps yeah. <laughs> if you get uh, a little tuckered out and you decide i'm gonna walk like you know i'm averaging 7500 steps a day this month well your you know your interest rate goes down and the same thing is going to be true with casasa if you don't you know swipe that debit card enough times in a given month your interest rate plummets. And so, yeah, it is worth looking for. If you're kind of one of those kind of people that loves to jump through hoops in order to get a prize at the end of the rainbow, then Kasasa could make sense for you. And just to be clear with how the Kasasa accounts work, like this is a separate company. Uh, they're actually based out of Texas and they have a product that's basically like a white label account and they offer it to these different credit unions and they choose whether or not to offer that to their customers. And so that's why some credit unions might have it, others may not. And hopefully if this does sound interesting to you, it's uh, something that your local credit union will offer if they don't already. Yeah. So we'll again link to a site where you can kind of check and see if one of these accounts is available near you and what the terms are. That will be in the show notes on our site. But Matt, let's move on. Uh, Let's mention the beer we're having on this episode. This one's called Hill. It's by Southern Grist Brewing Company out of Tennessee. They make great beers. I'm looking forward to enjoying this one today. 
I am as well. We'll share our thoughts on this one at the end of the episode. And before we get to our listener questions here, we want folks to know that you too can submit your own question. Just go to howtomoney.com forward slash ask. And we've got all the instructions up there, how you can easily record a voice memo, email that our way. And hopefully we will be able to get to your question on an upcoming episode. No doubt. Well, let's get to that first one. And this one is about investing in the market or yourself. Hi, Joel and Matt. This is Sarah from Chicago. Firstly, I'm a big fan of your show. I've been listening since probably 2018 or early 2019. And at this point, you're one of my favorite podcasts. So cheers to all that you do. Thank you so much. A bit about me is that I've been out of grad school now for just a few years. So one, there's lots of student debt there. And two, I've really only been working in my field at a full-time job for the past like year and a half or so, two years. Um, pandemic kind of threw a huge wrench into that. I have a Roth IRA, an investment account that I'm adding to little by little that I started while I was in school with student money. Uh, With the current change in the workforce now, I'm putting steps together to start my own online business and was wondering if it makes more financial sense to save and invest into that or try to max out my IRA contribution by the end of the year. There isn't a huge overhead for me getting started online, but as you know, there are various unexpected expenses that can come up when trying to start any kind of business. So whatever advice you have would be greatly appreciated. Thanks again. Hey, Sarah, thanks so much for that question. And also, thank you so much for those incredibly kind words at the uh, beginning of your question, because there are so many great podcasts out there. uh, And we take that as incredibly high praise that we are your favorite, if not one of your favorites. <laughs> yeah, we appreciate that. <laughs> yes, and uh, we hope that your grad school degree is paying off for you. It sounds like it is, and we love that you are taking some steps to go in the entrepreneurship uh, direction. And one thing I want to speak to, Sarah, that you mentioned, Joel, did you, did you notice this? She talked about investing with student money. I heard that. Yeah, and you know, if she was sitting across from us, we would actually clarify, because we, we don't know if she meant student loans or if she's talking about money that she earned while she was still in grad school. Or if it's money that she stole from a student. <laughs> <laughs> like stole their lunch money. Uh, Sarah, don't be a bully, okay? Uh, no, if it's the latter, then, you know, if this is money that you earned, Sarah, like this is awesome. Uh, and we think it's great that you use that money uh, that you earned to invest. But if it's the former, right? If you're talking about student loans, then we wanted to highlight the fact that this is a pretty risky move. We wouldn't recommend borrowing at over 5%, which is where graduate loans are these days, while hoping for, you know, like a 7 or 8% return in the stock market. What's done is done, uh, but we wanted to mention that for anybody else out there who might be listening, we want that to be something that you keep in mind. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's, it's not ideal to take on more student debt than you need to in order to invest more of your money because you're looking for those long-time compounding returns. Just not something we'd recommend. But let's get on to kind of the main part of your question, Sarah. While we love the idea of you continuing to contribute to your Roth account, it's one of our favorite retirement accounts, right? I mean, we've we've talked about it a whole lot on the show. Mm -hmm. And you might be surprised, but we'd prefer to see you put the necessary funds into your business in order to grow it more quickly than to stick more money in that Roth. And we would say that a lot of traditional personal finance advice it doesn't really discuss investing in yourself or investing in your business, sadly. It kind of leaves that off. It talks they talk about saving and paying down debt and investing more of your money, but there's very little emphasis put on some of those more important things about growing your own base of knowledge and you know, putting money into something like a business that eventually is going to pay off for you down the road. But 
we would say smart dollars spent in those areas have the potential to produce the highest returns over the decades in the form of increased earnings and also simultaneously higher levels of satisfaction. You're probably going to be happier running your own business than you are going to be working for the man, getting told what to do all day, every day. And while we can't say for certainty that it's going to make the most financial sense, only you know the amount of personal fulfillment that you're going to be receiving from starting your own business, it's not something that, that's easy to quantify, which is why it's often not taken into account uh, if you ask some of the traditional number crunchers. But we think that it makes a whole lot of sense to prioritize, especially early on in your career, more money in that direction for growth of yourself and growth of your business. That's right. And, and Sarah, too, before we kind of throw our weight completely on the side of starting your own business, not working for the man, like like Joel mentioned, which we love working for ourselves. I mean, I'm, I'll be honest. I love not working for the man. And I was kind of like I throwing a dig at working for the man, but <laughs> I, I enjoyed my job for 15 years. So. Yeah. Well, there are some great benefits that you yeah. get from uh, a traditional employer. And Sarah, if you are, I mean, obviously, if you're at a workplace where maybe it's a more toxic work environment, which you did not mention, but if that's the case, then obviously, you, you know, you probably want to start your own thing as quickly as possible. But if you're just working there, you're kind of cruising along, uh, you're getting paid well, but maybe let's say you're not being challenged as much as you thought you would be, or you're not taking on the kind of projects you thought. Well, I would say look to see if there are ways that you can expand your role at work before you immediately start pouring your energies and diverting your attention towards something else. Literally, that can be a question that you ask your supervisor or your boss. With that additional challenge, you might find more fulfillment. And also too, that is a great reason for you to get a raise yeah. <laughs> because if you're taking on more responsibility, uh, not only is this a great way for you to perhaps feel more fulfilled at your day job in your traditional nine to five, but you could also potentially see that uh, in the form of a fatter paycheck as well. Yeah. And sometimes you can just do both, right? You can be, yeah. it sounds like Sarah is like totally fine at her day job, but she wants, she's starting this business on the side too. And that's a common route for many, including us, Matt, where we've got something else that's paying the bills primarily and you transition over time because that's a goal of yours too. And yeah, I would say like doing it on the cheap is important as well, right? Like starting your own business is a great thing for so many reasons, but it's important to maintain a bootstrapping mentality when you're starting your business. And so would it be helpful to have that money that would have otherwise gone into your Roth on hand to be able to maybe grow more quickly, hire out some of those tasks that might not be your jam, something that you're great at? Uh, well, yes, of course. I think that money would be helpful in the growth of your business now. But you also have to ask yourself, like, can you find a way to start an online business with the money that you currently have coming in and not have to take it away from your future self and, and stop investing for the time being? The answer is probably. It sounds like you've been listening to the show for a long time, but Alan Donegan actually did a great job. He came on the show back in episode 247, and he discussed how to start a business with zero dollars. And I think sometimes a lack of money actually forces us to become more creative. Throwing money at the problem is often the easiest solution, but it's not always or, or even often the best one. And so specifically, if you're creating an online business, think about how you can bootstrap it. Think about how you can get started and turn out something great w without really spending a whole lot of money. Totally. Sarah, we want you to have your cake and eat it too. We want you to continue to put money, funneling money and dollars towards your retirement, but also looking to see if you can start this business on the side with as little money as possible. But we do understand that things, you know, they do cost money, uh, but we want you to think long and hard about what you will use that money for. Like website hosting, that's something that you have to pay for. There is an actual expense associated with that. At least it's a cheap expense. Yeah, it's, it, exactly. It doesn't cost a ton of money, but you know, like maybe you want to pay a little bit more for say a more attractive WordPress theme. Like that's also something where there's a hard 
cost involved. You typically can't barter <laughs> to, to, to get a WordPress thing, but I'll maybe trade you eight chickens for I this WordPress. Like, thing. If you know somebody who's a developer, perhaps you could. You know that they have the ability to, to customize a site, uh, p- perhaps a free theme to look like something that you want to have on your site. Uh, these are these truly are all things to consider. But if you did spend that money, we know that that wouldn't be money wasted because there are some hard costs associated with starting a business. But we do want to encourage you to specifically list out some of the expenses that you think will help move the needle the most as you start this venture. Don't be afraid to spend money where it's going to make a real difference. We don't want you to be cheap in an effort to be frugal here. But we also just don't want you to spend your money frivolously because you've given yourself permission to funnel that money towards your business rather than uh, towards your Roth. Exactly. Yeah. So Sarah, good luck. Uh, We wish you the best and we hope that we've pointed you in the right direction. Yes. Good luck, Sarah. And Matt, we've got more questions to get to, including that ethical conundrum. We'll get to that next right after this. Asking the right questions can greatly impact your future, especially when it comes to your finances. So if you're looking for a financial advisor you can trust, certified financial planner professionals are committed to acting in your best interest. They are committed to high ethical standards and even had to pass a rigorous exam before they could become a CFP professional. They offer financial planning and services that take a more comprehensive view of your financial and personal circumstances and are customized for your needs. Certified financial planner professionals can offer advice on a wide range of issues like reviewing your investment portfolio's allocation, handling an inheritance, rolling over a company retirement plan, building education savings, and so much more. That's why it's got to be a CFP. Find your CFP professional at letsmakeaplan.org. Kachava is the all-in-one superfood shake made up of high-quality plant-based nutrients. It's got greens, superfruits, plant proteins, antioxidants, adaptogens, probiotics, and in other words, everything your body craves to feel your best. This is where Kachava really earns their 52,000-plus five-star reviews. It tastes amazing. It's creamy and smooth with just water, and it comes in five delicious flavors. You can choose from chocolate, vanilla, chai, matcha, and coconut acai. Kachava is offering How to Money listeners 10% off for a limited time. I've been using Kachava in breakfast smoothies in the morning recently. It's just so nice to pack in a bunch of nutrients early in the a.m. in a way that's satisfying and energizing. So if you want to optimize your breakfast, your workout shake, be sure to check out Kachava. Just go to Kachava dot com slash how to money that's spelled k-a-c-h-a-v-a and get 10 percent off your first order that's k-a-c-h-a-v-a dot com slash how to money i'm guessing that a lot of listeners are starting to solidify their summer travel plans we always like to get the families together matt for a week yeah, at the we beach do. every single summer we've already got that trip to saint simon's on the calendar pump for that but sometimes those vacations get expensive. So what better way to offset some of those costs than to have your home earning some money while you're away? That's right. Why let it sit empty when it could be earning extra income? It's the financially smart thing to do. So think it through. Maybe you've got some extra space in your home, or maybe you have an entire house to host, or maybe you're just going on vacation and your home is sitting empty. In every case, you can Airbnb it. You already have the space, so it won't be a huge adjustment. I mean, the way I see it, if you're not using your space, you have two options. You can let it just sit there empty, or you do some optimizing and make some money off it. Really, if you think about it, you already have an Airbnb. You just need to start using it. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. 
Let's say you've been listening to the podcast and now you're finally ready to start implementing some of the uh, the financial morsels that we're dishing up. Maybe you are trying to save up some more money for a down payment on a house, or maybe there's a big vacation that you have been dying to take. Well, the money app Monarch, they make it so easy to help you to reach your financial goals. That's why the Wall Street Journal, they named it the best app for growing your savings. Monarch is the top rated all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all your accounts, investments, transactions, and more. Create custom budgets, track progress toward financial goals, collaborate with your partner even. And now, get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash howtomoney. And you won't get spammed either. Monarch features ad-free privacy you can trust. They will never sell your data to third parties or show you ads. That's right, man. And after trying out Monarch for myself, I understand why it's the top-rated personal finance app. It just makes sense. It works. And right now, listeners of this show will get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash howtomoney. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y dot com slash howtomoney for your extended 30-day free trial. Go to monarchmoney.com slash howtomoney for an extended 30-day free trial. All right, we are back from the break, and uh, let's get to that question where the answer may not be black or white. We might be living in the gray. Hey, Matt and Joel. This is Jessica from New Jersey. I have an ethical money question for you. My very sweet son takes a medication that's quite expensive, and the copay every three weeks is $140. He'll likely be on this medication for a couple of years. The pharmaceutical company offers a copay assistance program, and they don't ask too many questions. Um, they don't ask an income verification question, and basically will help you with the copayment if you request help. Technically, we can afford the copayment. But should I take this copay assistance because it's being offered? Do you think that means that someone less fortunate is not able to get the copay assistance because I've taken it? What do you think? Do it or not? Ooh, all right, Matt. We're stepping in here with Jessica's question. But I appreciate this. I appreciate this that. Is- I love this question yeah. because I feel like th- these are situations that we find ourselves in uh, when it comes to, is this no the doubt. right thing to do? It's like, well, I, you know, well, in this case, we're going to give what we think. We And we've talked about that on the show. There are different things that you and I have done. Like I, I remember talking recently about parking <laughs> in that spot where uh, the parking garage costs 20 bucks an hour and I parked for free outside of it, hoping that I wasn't going to get a ticket, but realizing that there was a real risk in that. Yeah. And so got like, to weigh, weigh your risks. We, we all, yeah, risk, ma- <laughs> risk management. We've all become uh, much more well acquainted <laughs> with risk management over the past 18 months or so. But uh, Jessica, yeah, it sounds like you're spending somewhere in the neighborhood of $2,500 every single year on this pharmaceutical drug. And that's a lot of money. And so our short answer would be to take advantage of the payment assistance. Yes. You you probably don't have a major issue paying for the drug because you've been good with your money for quite a while. But whether it's ethical to apply for and receive the copay assistance really, I would say, revolves around the parameters that have been set up. And so it sounds like you qualify according to the drug company's requirements. This program was created to help people be able to afford a drug that's prohibitively expensive. And as long as you're not lying or cheating in order to game the system, like if there's an income requirement and you're fudging the numbers <laughs> to try to fit under it so that you can qualify, I would say that would be unethical. But since that's not the case, we would say take advantage of this offer. Yeah, you know, there, there are different prescription assistant programs out there uh, and they each have their own guidelines. Some will ask for more information from, uh, from you than others, uh, like both medical information and financial information, but others won't. Some will have income caps, 
others won't have any caps at all. And additionally, these programs aren't usually marketed well. It seems like I don't I don't know if that's a, a flaw or if that's part of the design. It, like <laughs> oftentimes it seems like that they offer these different programs to say that this is something that they offer. It's a part of the program. It's a part of the rollout of this drug. But it's like, we don't want everybody to know about it. Though. Right, right. <laughs> uh, if you make it just a little hard to find, fewer people will apply. Exactly. But, you know, these are an important resource for families like yours when expensive prescriptions and meds become necessary. Uh, and so, at least from our perspective, you are not doing anything unethical by using this program the way that it was intended. Exactly. Yeah. And there have been times in my life, Jessica, where I've qualified for assistance from a hospital, from a medical provider after a procedure. And... Did I have the money in my savings account to pay for it? Yes, I did. Like, could I have paid that $3,000 bill all at once because I had the savings on hand because I had been a good saver? Yes. But that doesn't change the fact that based on our family size and our income amount, we qualified for forgiveness of a major chunk of that bill. Well, and the fact is, even if you didn't have the money in your account, someone could argue that like, well, I've got equity in my home, so maybe I should tap that HELOC. Because technically, I've got some money somewhere. Right. It just depends on what you determine to be having that money on hand. Exactly. Yeah. And but I really did have the money in savings, and I could have paid it. But I was like, you know what? There's this. There are these rules. There are these parameters that say that I qualify for assistance. I am going to use it. And there are financial assistance programs on basically every hospital's website. Uh, they often have those often have more stringent requirements, and you'll actually need to prove your income or lack thereof in, in order to receive that benefit. And I can totally see why the kind of squishy nature of this pharmaceutical program has you tied up in this ethical knot. It's it's nice when there are clear boundaries so yeah. that resources <laughs> would flow specifically to the people most in need. But we would say you're not taking anything from anyone else by taking advantage of this benefit under the current rules that are in place. Nobody's getting the short end of the stick because you take advantage of this offer. Well, except that, you know, I think this moral dilemma arises because we don't know that with certainty, right? Like, I completely understand her thought process of like, well, if I take this assistance, and that means that there is going to be one fewer family out there who might really need it. But here's the thing, like, if you don't take the assistance, there is no guarantee that the needy family, uh, you know, according to your definition, will take advantage of it either. Like, we only have agency over the things that are within our own control. That's how the world works. We have to advocate for ourselves. It makes me think of episode 377. We talked about paying less for virtually everything. And a big part of paying less is asking for it. We have to advocate for ourselves. And so to that end, maybe a step that you can take to help alleviate some of this tension that, that you're experiencing like you take the assistance but you also make sure that everyone you know who might also pay for that medication is aware of the assistance as well yeah, uh, post in the facebook groups or something for seriously. other people who have similar struggles or she could even she could post anonymously or she can start a blog where she's talking about the specific condition for which the medication for her son helps that kind of thing because i mean we are all about paying less and saving more on a personal level but we're also all about empowering others here on the show as well and Jessica, we feel that this is something uh, that you could do that's kind of similar to that. We want you to take the action because you now have the knowledge. You now know that this, you know, you've known that this assistance program exists. And we think that it would be wise for you to move on that. We want you to take advantage of the fact that this is an option that is available to you, but also reach out to make sure that others are aware of it as well. Yeah, it's like share the wealth, you know, <laughs> like let other people know when you found something awesome. That's what Matt and I want to do on the show, too. It's like if we find something great, if we find a good technique, if there's a new way to uh, potentially 
make more money in an inch, uh, in interest on your savings account. Like we want to talk about that stuff. We want to highlight that totally. stuff and you can be that to other people. But Matt, let's get to the next question. This one is about an interesting way to borrow money for a wedding. Hi Matt and Joel. This is Michelle from Minneapolis. I have a question about taking out a line of credit against an investment account. My fiance and I have been together for almost 6 years, 7 by the time we get married. So we have several joint assets together. One of those assets is an investment account we opened recently with money that we received from an early inheritance. We have no other debt outside of one car payment, our mortgage, and a mortgage on my mom's house. Our retirement accounts are all exceeding our goals, our Roths are maxed out, and our emergency fund is fully funded. So basically, we're in a really good place financially, and this investment account is pretty much just extra lifestyle money at this point. We told my investment guy that we plan on taking out around forty dollars to $50,000 for our wedding next year. And that wedding cost is a done deal at this point. He recommended taking out a line of credit against that investment account instead, and then paying it down over the next three to five years from growth in the account. His reasoning is that we avoid the extra capital gains tax that we'd have to pay for withdrawing in less than a year, plus allowing the account to continue to grow at an average rate of 10% while only paying a smaller around 3% interest on the loan. I guess my question is, is this a good idea? Straight numbers wise, it makes sense since we'd still be growing the account at a higher rate than the loans interest that we're paying. But I thought I'd check with you guys to see if there's anything else I'm missing or what advice you might have. Thanks. Uh, Michelle, we appreciate you wanting to check in with us uh, before you decided to move forward with your your money move there. Uh, and by the way, congrats on that upcoming wedding. That's really exciting for you. Do you think we're going to get invited? But- uh, Uncle Uncle Joel and Matt uh, <laughs> are not invited to the wedding. Bummer! <laughs> Dang it! Uh, but Michelle, you said that that, that forty thousand or forty or fifty thousand dollars—it's a done deal. We're not going to belabor the point. But for others out there, it is possible and, and probably wise to maybe try and spend a little bit less on a wedding overall. Uh, because aside from COVID ruining a lot of plans last year, the average cost of weddings has been decreasing over the years. Uh, and in 2019, the average cost of a wedding and reception combined was twenty-eight thousand dollars. And, you know, we're going to skip over last year's numbers since it's not really indicative of what's typical. But spending $50,000 is way above average, which is totally fine, Michelle, (laughs) if this is going to be your craft beer equivalent. We don't want to dissuade you from doing something that's really important to you. And of course, you know, people getting, you know, weddings, marriage, this is a very important thing, but it doesn't necessarily mean that everyone out there has to automatically spend top dollar. And especially when we're talking about quantities of money this large, you know, when your craft beer equivalent is $50,000, it's worth pausing and, and kind of thinking things through. It makes me think about how striving to be average is not necessarily what we're going for here on the show. A few weeks ago, we talked about how the cost of a new car is uh, averaging over $45,000. That is a ton of money to spend on a vehicle. That's an instance. And like trucks are $60,000, right? That's an instance where we don't necessarily want you to be average. We want you to spend much less than average. And so if you are, if you do find yourself uh, in a situation where you're spending an average amount of money or even a little bit more, we want you to actually think about that and to make sure that that's something that you're doing with your eyes wide open and that you're doing incredibly intentionally. Yeah, I think similarly to kind of how we talk about in your budget, there's two or three items that you should spend an outsized amount of money on because you've identified them as really important to you. The same thing should probably be true when you're planning a wedding. It's like, okay, the venue's important and the photographer's important. And the food, I don't care if it's McDonald's or whatever, like <laughs> it's probably not going to be <laughs> that crummy. But, you know, 
picking and choosing those areas because most of us have a limited budget and trying to keep it uh, within reason is important. Yes. And so pick those couple of areas where you're like that. You know what? The pictures are the most important to me or the food is the most important to me. And, or, I, or and I'm going to have really those important. little uh, cheapo cameras on every table, like what, you know, whatever it is. <laughs> or maybe it's like having a live band because we love to party. Right. And so we want a band, not just a great live band, but a band that we can do rock a rokey with. Have you ever <laughs> no, been I haven't. to an event where there's a live band that you can sing with? Sounds like fun. It is the best. <laughs> but then, yeah, maybe you choose the band, but you get married in a neighbor's backyard or something like that, right? Boom. So those There's are all trade-offs. kind of trade-offs that are, that are worth considering. But let's move on and get to Michelle's question, the heart of it. And yeah, there is truth to the fact that you incur a tax bill when you sell a security. If your index funds have been humming along and uh, you know you take out a good chunk, you're going to pay tax on the gains that you withdraw, albeit at a favorable long-term rate, a capital gains rate of 15%. But we would say, yeah, finding a way to avoid taxes when you can, it does make sense. But is this the best way to go about it, right? Like what you're talking about is taking out a margin loan. And if that investment portfolio of yours continues to rise, then borrowing against your investments isn't really that big of a deal. It's not going to harm you as long as you pay back the loan as agreed. But it is risky because if your portfolio takes a hit, if the stock market runs into some severe headwinds, you could face a margin call and have to bring money to the table immediately. And then if you don't have the funds, you might have to sell more of your investments in order to meet that minimum requirement in your account. And you'd be selling those investments at a really inopportune time. And so that is why 3% sounds really good, but there are some like real risks involved with doing that. Yeah. And, and on top of that, too, you know, there are still likely going to be better options out there for you, like ones that pose less risk. Because, you know, again, if you had a margin loan back in March of last year, it could have posed a serious problem for you. Uh, you mentioned that you own a home. And so here's an alternative. Like, what if instead uh, you take out a HELOC on that home? If you've owned it for any length of time, you're, you're going to have some equity in that house. Uh, rates are still incredibly low uh, on HELOCs uh, in the upper threes, you know, most likely from your local credit union. And then another bonus is that those usually come at no cost to you. Yeah, so no closing costs. You're just paying interest on the amount that you borrow, which I love too, because you're also, I don't know, it encourages you. I mean, I guess in a similar way to taking it, borrowing money on an investment account, but it still encourages you to take out as little as possible. It's not like you're, you know, we, we don't want you to take out a home equity loan where it's like, okay, we've got this fat chunk. Now that we have it, we're going to spend it. Uh, I like the idea of just these small different things that will encourage you to try to spend less. Yeah. The ideal way to pay for a wedding or any big event like this is to do so with savings. And this is an instance where planning ahead is so important. And usually it sounds like Michelle has been in this relationship a long time and engaged for a while. And so this was something they saw coming. And so saving up ahead of time, even putting less towards investments for the time being so that you you can have that pile of cash on hand to pay for it. It, it just It's the best way to go. So that way you're paying nothing in order to fund that wedding. Exactly. Yeah, we'd rather pay no interest at all oh, yeah. <laughs> for all of those different wedding expenses that you're going to rack up. And so, yeah, looking ahead a couple of years, giving yourself time to be able to set and reach financial goals, like paying for a wedding with cash, is the best financial move. But you know, we would say it sounds like y'all have focused heavily on investing and you're doing really well there. So yeah, regardless of what, what route you take, I wouldn't be afraid to dial back on some of those contributions until you're able to fully pay off what you borrow for the wedding. Because yeah, I would be not sitting on pins and needles if I took out that loan against my investments, but I would be like, I would be chomping at the bit to, to pay it back as quickly as possible because of that risky position that I'd be in. So Michelle, best of luck to you. Hopefully that HELOC is a better suggestion for you paying for this wedding and, and hopefully you pay it back off really quickly. Joel, how about a quick rapid fire round? What's something that you and Emily did to save money when y'all got married? Okay. 
paper flowers. Oh, that that's the that's the main thing I would say. We we saw like the bill, like what it was going to cost. Like we, from we, the florist, we spent a decent amount on the venue. We got married at the Memphis Zoo. Same it was, here. It was yeah. wonderful. Yeah, not at the Memphis Zoo, but we spent a decent money, a decent amount of money on our venue as well. Okay, but yeah, the paper flowers. It was like we'll save hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of oh, dollars yeah. when it comes to floral costs and yeah it, it looked super cute and i remember too when we first met y'all y'all actually had those paper flowers around your house decorating yeah, that's right <laughs> your house as well so that's something you got to enjoy for a long time <laughs> uh for, for us I've, one of the things i look back on kate and i were able to save by not hiring an official wedding cake baker or whatever like we got cakes from Publix we had them make white cakes and then we added little things to make them look more wedding like uh-huh. uh, and we kind of had like these different cakes arranged uh, and a good thing too because one of them fell on the floor so <laughs> <laughs> like we had like four other cakes so Michelle we hope that gives you maybe just a couple ideas on, on ways that you can save uh, on this wedding Joel we've got a couple more questions that we're going to get to including that one about buying a home to combat inflation we'll get to that one plus another right after this break Asking the right questions can greatly impact your future, especially when it comes to your finances. So if you're looking for a financial advisor you can trust, certified financial planner professionals are committed to acting in your best interest. They are committed to high ethical standards and even had to pass a rigorous exam before they could become a CFP professional. They offer financial planning and services that take a more comprehensive view of your financial and personal circumstances and are customized for your needs. Certified financial planner professionals can offer advice on a wide range of issues like reviewing your investment portfolio's allocation, handling an inheritance, rolling over a company retirement plan, building education savings, and so much more. That's why it's got to be a CFP. Find your CFP professional at letsmakeaplan.org. Cachava is the all-in-one superfood shake made up of high-quality plant-based nutrients. It's got greens, superfruits, plant proteins, antioxidants, adaptogens, probiotics, and in other words, everything your body craves to feel your best. This is where Cachava really earns their 52,000-plus five-star reviews. It tastes amazing. It's creamy and smooth with just water, and it comes in five delicious flavors. You can choose from chocolate, vanilla, chai, matcha, and coconut acai. Cachava is offering How to Money listeners 10% off for a limited time. I've been using Cachava in breakfast smoothies in the morning recently. It's just so nice to pack in a bunch of nutrients early in the a.m. in a way that's satisfying and energizing. So if you want to optimize your breakfast, your workout shake, be sure to check out Cachava. Just go to Cachava dot com slash how to money that's spelled k-a-c-h-a-v-a and get 10 percent off your first order that's k-a-c-h-a-v-a dot com slash how to money i'm guessing that a lot of listeners are starting to solidify their summer travel plans we always like to get the families together matt for a week yeah, at the we beach do. every single summer we've already got that trip to saint simon's on the calendar pumped for that but sometimes those vacations get expensive. So what better way to offset some of those costs than to have your home earning some money while you're away? That's right. Why let it sit empty when it could be earning extra income? It's the financially smart thing to do. So think it through. Maybe you've got some extra space in your home, or maybe you have an entire house to host, or maybe you're just going on vacation and your home is sitting empty. In every case, you can Airbnb it. You already have the space, so it won't be a huge adjustment. I mean, the way I see it, if you're not using your space, you have two options. You can let it just sit there empty, or you do some optimizing and make some money off it. Really, if you think about it, you already have an Airbnb. You just need to start using it. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. 
Let's say you've been listening to the podcast and now you're finally ready to start implementing some of the uh, the financial morsels that we're dishing up. Maybe you are trying to save up some more money for a down payment on a house, or maybe there's a big vacation that you have been dying to take. Well, the money app Monarch, they make it so easy to help you to reach your financial goals. That's why the Wall Street Journal, they named it the best app for growing your savings. Monarch is the top rated all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all your accounts, investments, transactions, and more. Create custom budgets, track progress toward financial goals, collaborate with your partner even. And now, get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash howtomoney. And you won't get spammed either. Monarch features ad-free privacy you can trust. They will never sell your data to third parties or show you ads. That's right, man. And after trying out Monarch for myself, I understand why it's the top-rated personal finance app. It just makes sense. It works. And right now, listeners of this show will get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash howtomoney. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y dot com slash howtomoney for your extended 30-day free trial. Go to monarchmoney.com slash howtomoney for an extended 30-day free trial. All right, we're back. Inflation, of course, is top of mind for so many folks right now. And we've got a question from a listener who's trying to do something about it. Hey, Joel and Matt. My name is Will. I live in New Jersey, and I just got engaged. Uh, my fiance and I, we currently make 131000 a year combined. And I have $110,000 sitting in a high-yield savings account, which is pretty stupid, I know. And my credit score is in the low to mid-800s. My fiance, she's in the mid-600s. Um, she's been in her job for over a decade, where I start mine next week after a long period of pandemic unemployment. Thing is, uh, as we join forces, she'll have the job stability and the higher income, while I'll have the higher credit score and the savings. So I hope that was a decent setup to my question, which is, we really like where we live. We like the town. We do spend about two grand a month in rent and are worried about inflation. So I'm thinking with all the money in the bank set to lose value, is this a good time for us to take some of that and buy a home? We uh, really enjoy listening and you guys got us through some pretty dark times this past year. I really thank you for your insight and advice and Hey, if we buy a place, we'll have a lot of room to uh, put our Costco purchases. Thanks again. Take care. Man, we got a lot of like matrimonial stuff happening in this, yeah, this episode. A lot of Con- life change. Congrats to Will on getting engaged. That commitment, alongside that uh, that Costco commitment, that the marriage and Costco commitment, I think of them as equally uh, <laughs> deep and wonderful. <laughs> equally important. Is yeah. that what you're about to say? Sorry, Emily. I don't really mean <laughs> that, but uh, they're going to be. They're both going to serve you well for a long period of time. And it, and it is true. Having more square footage is the best way to be able to take advantage of a Costco membership. <laughs> but <laughs> gotta have a place to store the stuff. <laughs> well, you are in a good financial spot with a, a great credit score, lots of savings on hand, and I'm going to say it is not stupid to have access to liquid money, you know, that cash in your savings account. But you are likely holding more than you should. Uh, You really only need enough money to cover an emergency. Uh, And so having three to six months worth of expenses on hand is where we want to see most folks sitting. And depending on your job situation, how flexible your expenses are, it could make sense to to make it even bigger. Uh, But my guess is that $110,000 far exceeds six months worth of expenses for you and your fiance. I don't know that every other week yacht rental is is expensive for Will. (laughs) But that's where uh, flexible expenses come into play because that's something, Will, you should be able to easily cut. Cut the the yacht. (laughs) (laughs) 
but the only other reason to have you know that that much money in savings will is if you need a lot of money for something like a home down payment which actually gets to the heart of your question yes yes it does so we would say uh we love your desire, Will, to combat inflation. It's a money killer over the long term and over the short term. We've seen real spikes in the kind of inflation that we're seeing. But here's the thing. We would say don't buy a house if the main reason is that you're trying to combat inflation. Owning a home, especially if you have a really super low interest rate on a mortgage, can be a helpful hedge against inflation. But you buy a house because you want to put down roots for an extended period of time. You you, uh, you buy a home as a lifestyle move, yeah, not yeah. as an investment decision, right? There, there are other ways to get that money out of savings that can have a bigger impact on your wealth building over time, especially if the desire to own a home really is only for this purpose and it's not like a long-term move. It's not that desire to kind of be in a place and be in that particular home specifically for an extended period of time. Yeah, and the other thing too is I love that Will's focused on inflation but the thing is, is that inflation, it's always there. And so while it, it is more in the headlines right now, because it is a little bit higher than it has been, it's something that the media focuses attention on. And so I'm glad that it's something that we're talking about. But guess what? When the media isn't talking about it, it's still there. It's, it's still yeah. sitting there in the background. Just going unnoticed by most of us. Eating away at all that money you've got s- sitting there in your, your savings account, Will. And so I am very glad that this is something you're paying attention to. But I want you to continue to think about it even after uh, all the headlines go away. And you know, you talked about how you're spending $2,000 a month uh, on rent. We wanted to highlight that that isn't you throwing money away. And this is important to note because a lot of renters feel like that they're just throwing money away. But that rent, uh, that money is giving you a place to live and you aren't responsible for the repairs. It makes me think of the uh, the old Mitch Hedberg joke where <laughs> he's like, I went to Home Depot yesterday, but that was unnecessary. I need to go to Apartment Depot where there's a bunch of people standing around saying, I don't have to fix anything. <laughs> uh, so, Will, while buying a home, like that could be an awesome decision for y'all you know, as you get married. Uh, and especially since you've got a huge chunk that you can put towards that down payment where you're putting down at least 20%. You'll want to make sure that you only go in that direction if you're planning to own that home for at least seven years. But if you're looking at any time period less than that, there is a chance that you might have to even come to the table with some money in hand because of market swings uh, and the additional transaction costs. And so that's something that you want to keep in mind. Yeah. So buying a home can make sense, like Matt said, if you want to be there seven plus years. Otherwise, renting can really make sense for you because if owning a home long term sounds like it forces you to stay put right where you are and when you might otherwise prefer to move for a job, for lifestyle, to be closer to family, any of those things, or if you think that the house you buy would only be like this short-term fix and you want to sell the home and upgrade to something larger in the next two to three years, it's probably not a great move. And, And there are other positive things you can do with the money that's in savings, like investing it in the market, in a total stock market index fund, something like that. Like if you haven't done a great job prioritizing tax advantage retirement accounts, we'd suggest going hard in that direction. The more money you have in the market, the better off those funds are going to be. And so, yeah, so much of this decision comes down to where you see yourself in the next five to 10 years. And if you and your soon-to-be spouse see yourself putting down roots long-term in this specific place where you're looking to buy a house, this can make sense on multiple levels. Uh, But again, you don't just buy a home in order to stick it to the inflationary forces that are moving around you. That's right. Uh, Let's go ahead and get to our next question. This is from a listener who has had some dramatic but positive life changes. Hi, Joel and Matt. This is Ashley from Richmond, Virginia. 
I'd first like to say I love your show. You guys do such an awesome job of breaking down those complicated financial scenarios and making them relatable to individuals and how it can relate to that individual's life. And second, I'm related to the question that I have for you guys. My husband and I just had our first baby and we were looking to kind of check off a couple of boxes on some considerations from a financial standpoint that we could look into for our newborn baby. So we are open to suggestions, advice, kind of whatever you guys have to offer in relation to that question. So I look forward to hearing from you guys and keep up the awesome work. All right, Ashley, congrats on the baby. Yeah. Babies are the best. I My dude's already, he, like the little dudes, we've got three kids. The little dude, he's two. And like, he's starting to outgrow some of that baby stuff. And I'm, I'm missing the baby phase already. <laughs> it's so sweet. It is so sweet. It's like, it takes all of your time and attention and care, but it's also like it pays back in droves. That's true. And, you know, I'm glad that Ashley's asking this. It seems that we've, we've got a lot of questions that revolve around life change. And, you know, there's nothing like uh, buying a home or getting married or having a baby that causes you to look at your financial situation and to kind of get your stuff together. <laughs> it causes you to grow up a little bit, right? Yeah, like we're reassessing before, everything. Yes. Yeah, and especially a baby. Like once you have somebody else who's dependent on you, which is why our first little bit of advice is to put that baby to work. Uh, <laughs> see if you can sign that baby modeling uh, contract that might be against uh, state and federal laws, Matt. No, but baby, baby models are baby a thing. models. Okay, yeah. yeah. And, well, then if if you do that, then you <laughs> aside have to, from that though, then you would be able to fund uh, Roth IRA for your super new baby, and he's going to be rich <laughs> in no time. But he or she. But yeah, l- let's let's get to um, your your question, Ashley. So much of the answer to this question, it really depends on where you guys are at on your financial journey overall. Matt and I, we've always said that saving for your baby's future is a low priority. It's not because we hate babies. We love them. We love babies. (laughs) Yeah. But it doesn't mean you need to start saving for them immediately, right? Like we did a whole episode about why saving for college is overrated because it is like we'd encourage you to focus uh, most of your resources on accruing wealth as a family. And that should really be the main goal here for you. Not saving specifically for your child's future if it means skimping on your own. And so that means focusing on those workplace retirement accounts, contributing regularly to a Roth IRA. And if you haven't begun that process, we would encourage you to get started. So, and if you have, beef up those contribution levels because the great thing about a Roth is that those contribution dollars can be flexible for other uses down the road, like helping to pay for uh, college tuition. You can do whatever you want with those contribution dollars. And since you've got a newborn baby, you've got a decade and a half or more before you actually need to use use those funds for their future. And so, yeah, we would say it sounds selfish, but it's not to prioritize your own self, your own financial future before you start prioritizing your newborns. Yeah. And so on that note, a a big part of your decision to invest in a 529 account for your kid's college, uh, that should come down to how likely they are to actually go to college. And so, for instance, if it's basically assumed in your family, then uh, prioritizing saving for their college will likely make sense at some point. If college is just a maybe, then it might not be the best route to take. But generally speaking, socking money away in a 529 plan, it only makes sense if you are rocking your own retirement savings first, if you're doing that now. Uh, We really don't recommend putting money in a 529 plan until you get to money gear number seven. There are a whole lot of other things for you to focus on and tackle before focusing on that in any meaningful way. It makes me think about how like 
I went to college. Kate went to college. We both went to college. And so someone might assume that like, okay, well, all of, you know, Matt and Kate's kids, they're going to go to college too. But guess what? We (laughs) are actively encouraging them against it. (laughs) Well, we're not encouraging them against it, but like we have noticed the fact that the careers that we've chosen uh, since we've graduated, they have not involved uh, the degrees that we got in college. And so I think there are a lot of other alternatives to going to college. So in our case, we have not set up 529 plans. At this point, I'm not sure if we're ever going to. Of course, like we will set some money aside for them, uh, but we want there just to be, I guess, more options than just going to college. Uh, we might earmark some investments that we have in a standard brokerage account that's going to have their name on it. Because what if they want to go to trade school instead? Well, I guess you could use a 529 for trade school. But what if they want to like start their own business? And then we could use that money towards buying supplies or tools or equipment. If one of them wants to get into real estate, uh, that could be money. That could be like seed money uh, as they start to learn the ins and outs of real estate. There are just a lot of different options out there. I mean, all that being said, we've got four kids. And so... I'm sure we're, we're going to open a 529 one because of will, one of them yeah. most likely will go to college. But it is, not, I mean, our oldest is eight years old. And that is still not something we've prioritized at this point because we're focusing on other goals. I think oftentimes there's just this disconnect between like you've got a baby and they're helpless and they can't do anything for themselves. And so you think I must provide for them. And you do. It's true. Like they can't change their own diaper. They can't feed themselves when they're babies. But by the time they're 18, guess what? They can. (laughs) (laughs) And so we enter into funding 529 plans with like thinking about them as babies. But by the time that they're adults, by the time they're 18 years old, there's a lot that they can do on their own. They technically are adults at that point. And so I think that there's this disconnect between our kids as babies and our kids as adults. And just keep in mind that by the time they go to college, they are officially adults. Yeah. And and I think that's a good point, Matt. I think what you're trying not trying to say is that 529 plans or saving for their future education is idiotic. I think what you're saying and what we're both saying is that it's it's way down the list of priorities. Yes. There are so many other financial priorities yep. first. But yeah, if it's a tradition in your household and if you believe that your newborn child is going to go to college someday, then that might be something you want to prioritize, but not until you've f- fully funded those other more important uh, uh, savings and retirement accounts first. Totally. And we would also say, here's some more food for thought, Ashley. We're also big fans of prioritizing dollars for your baby now because it's so possible to focus too much on their future and those likely college expenses that you neglect maybe to spend money on meaningful experiences now. So you want her to you want her to get that fancy pram, right? <laughs> no. <laughs> okay. Not that. No, you can use a free or cheap stroller. That is that is how to money approved. But we would say, yeah, if you live near an awesome zoo or a children's museum or a natural history museum, like we'd rather you spend some of that money that you might have tossed otherwise into a 529 account on that membership to expand their horizons and increase the amount of family fun you're able to have uh, and, and do that now instead of socking away money for the future. That might sound weird coming from us, but we think it's important. Yeah. The same thing with like taking a pottery class or learning an instrument, right? Mm-hmm. If you take an all of the above approach, that's fine. If you've got enough money to do all of those things, then go for it. But most people don't. And so we would say, just don't get so focused on building up a, this giant nest egg for your baby's future that you opt out of meaningful and important experiences now, like Matt, my daughter's in an art class and it's like, kind of expensive. It's one of those things that like we had to prioritize in the budget. Your daughter is taking piano lessons and it's, it's one of those things. I look back to my childhood 
and our kids are starting to get to that age. That's when I started to take piano lessons was right when I was about my eight-year-old's age. And so those are the kind of experiences that they go a long way in the personal development of your child. And if you're only thinking about when they turn 18 and money for those years, then you might need to reconsider and think more about how you spend money on the important development years now. Yeah, I think sometimes money nerds can take too much of a fundamentalist approach and they're thinking, oh, the 529 plane, I must set that up. I am a robot. That's what the Morningside article said. <laughs> like, I will set this thing up. Must max out every year. <laughs> but there, yeah, like you said, there are lots of other more, uh, yeah, just alternative things that we can introduce into their lives that can lead to them becoming well-rounded, well-versed, uh, great kids who turn into great adults. No doubt. All right. Well, that's going to do it for listener questions. Let's get back to the beer that we had on this episode. This one was called Hill by Southern Grist Brewing Company. And this is their fifth anniversary beer. It's a... Fifth anniversary hill. Yeah. It's a... It's a oh, yeah, yeah. You're right. And so this was a heavily fruited sour beer. Matt, what was your take on it? Well, first of all, I'll say I was shocked when we poured this thing because the label, it's like this uh, chartreuse green. I mean, it's like neon green, yellow. Uh, and so because of that, I was expecting, I don't know, like a lager or something like that. I didn't read the label before we poured it. But then you poured it and it was like this crimson, like this deep red, rich color. It throws me off when there's a disconnect between the color of the label and the beer because I was not expecting that that color. But uh, but it doesn't surprise me that you picked this one up because it's got raspberry puree in it. The uh, on, my jam. On the side of it here, it says That's it's kind of a joke, too. <laughs> <laughs> it's my jam. Ashley, get ready for all those uh, dad jokes uh, <laughs> heading down the pike from your husband. But uh, this was a double fruited sour ale brewed with lactose, vanilla, mango, key lime, and raspberry puree. I am a huge fan of the fact that it had some key lime in here because uh, it gave it this this edge. And I think sometimes, for me, that's what I don't like when a beer is too heavy on the raspberry. It's just like this overwhelming, like perfumey flavor where it feels like this blob and I, and I can't find the edges of it. You know, like I can't rein it in almost. And I feel like the key lime gives it like something to grab onto. But it was definitely a nice sour tart beer. What were your thoughts on this one? Yeah, I agree, man. This one was like a fiesta of fruit flavors. You read all the fruits involved in the making of this beer. And I'm yeah prone to beers made with raspberries. Just like that, like that flavor. But I agree. I think the addition of key lime did give it that kind of snappiness. Mm, and yeah, this, snappy. this this beer was really good. Southern Grist out of Tennessee makes delicious beers. Like I love what they're doing. Yeah, without the lime, it would have just been kind of like buttoning your shirt. But with the lime, it's like a Western shirt with snaps on it. It's just like, whoops. <laughs> <laughs> you know exactly once you're buttoned up. Well, and I am wearing a Western shirt with snaps Which today. also might be why I thought about that. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, this was a really great beer. I'm glad that you and I both got to enjoy one of these today. But that's going to be it. Listeners, you can find our show notes up on the website at howtomoney.com. And keep those awesome listener questions rolling in. We love to hear them. And hopefully we can take yours on an upcoming Ask HTM episode. Just record a voice memo and send it to howtomoneypod at gmail.com. It's that easy. And we look forward to hearing from you. But that's going to do it for today's episode. Until next time, best friends out. Best friends out. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. 
Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. Upswell Marketing would like to remind you that when customers choose your small business, they're really choosing you. So focus on super serving your existing customers and let Upswell handle the pipeline generation of new leads and customers. Upswell specializes in developing customized direct response campaigns and is now offering a no obligation free assessment of your current marketing strategies. Not to mention new customers also receive 15% off their first order when they mention that they heard about Upswell on this podcast. For more information, visit upswellmarketing.com. That's upswellmarketing.com.